Alrighty, what is going on? Happy Monday, June 19th. Happy Juneteenth. And uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for letting me be a part of your day. Pete Callender here on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers are 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Uh, also hit me up on Twitter at Pete Callender. Yeah, I'm having some fun now with Christy Clark. She's a former state lawmaker and uh, running for another legislative seat uh, this time around. Uh, she got very offended, very triggered, no pun intended, by uh, a, a couple of T-shirts that were for sale at Harris Teeter. Yeah, one of them shows Thomas Jefferson with uh, what appears to be uh, I guess this is an assault rifle. I mean, it's just it's just a drawing. It's just a drawing, and uh, he's got he's got like this, you know, like an AR-15, and it says "Arms change, rights don't." And then there's another picture of another T-shirt that says "Give me liberty or give me death." The famous words of Patrick Henry, and uh, there shows uh, uh, in between the two, it's broken up. But anyway, there's a, uh, again, this is hand-drawn. It's very nicely done. It's, uh, you know, it's artwork, and it's got an American eagle, the bald eagle, and in his little talons there, he's got a shotgun. And so Christy Clark starts her pressure campaign on Twitter, Against the grocery store chain, which I think is now owned by Kroger. She, t- she tagged Kroger in it as well. And she says she's disappointed that these coo- oh, I'm sorry, they're koozies. These are koozies, not even T-shirts. Okay, so koozies. It's like who actually, who is purchasing the koozies? Probably people that are seeking to keep their beers cold. I know you can use it for non-adult beverages, but... I mean, honestly, most people, I'm thinking, it, they're beer koozies, right? I can't tell if they are for the bottles. They look like they're just for cans. Anyway, she found these koozies in a store in North Carolina. And she says 110 Americans die every day from gun violence. And most recently, children, educators, healthcare providers, and family members were killed in mass shootings. Please remove them. So she's demanding that the grocery store remove two koozies, one of which I pointed out, I thought, helpfully, you know me, I'm a giver. And so I pointed out that, you know, she's seeking to ban a koozie with the words of one of our most famous founding fathers who literally gave his life for liberty because it includes a drawing of a shotgun. Unless, of course, maybe she's objecting to the bald eagle. I'm not clear. Uh, it's possible. No, she's talking about the guns. Now, the shotgun, I'm, I'm just looking at the koozie with the American eagle, give me liberty or give me death. It's got the bald eagle and he's holding a shotgun. First off, I don't know how many bald eagles commit mass murders, mass shootings. Just, I want to get that out there. Not sure. Also, I don't know how many mass shootings Thomas Jefferson engaged in. But the bald eagle, 
I, I'm not aware of any. You can't. You cannot tag any of the mass shootings to uh, to that bird. Uh, for for starters. But I think more importantly, the shotgun was the weapon of choice for Joe Biden. Joe Biden said, "Get a shotgun." Remember, famous rap song about it. The uh, no, he. Uh, I'm sorry. That was it's a reference to the meme that somebody put out where <laughs> get a shotgun. He literally said, "No one needs you know the the assault rifles." You don't need any of those scary guns. Uh, the you know the most like the most popular platform in America because they're highly customizable. And, but whatever, you don't need those to defend yourself or your home. You need the shotgun. And he told his wife that when she's you know back at their house alone, um, you know when she's not I guess tampering with the brakes on the bicycle uh, for him. She you know he said, look, if somebody is out there, you just you just take that shotgun, you walk off the back balcony, and you just fire off a couple of rounds, and that'll scare anybody away. I mean, aside from being highly illegal, very dangerous, not knowing who all is out there, you may end up murdering law enforcement or somebody who's lost in the woods or something. You don't know. So the shotgun was the preferred weapon of choice by the president. What's what's the problem with that? It. It is a fundamental rejection of the founding principles of our country. And I guess that's fine. You can reject those founding principles, but calling on a business to stop selling a koozie because it has a picture of a shotgun on it with that first principle, give me liberty or give me death, right? That's the whole point. So so what is she saying? That she objects to the phrase with the picture of the gun in association with the phrase, but that's the whole point. That is the whole point, and it's why the Second Amendment was in there, and whenever they talk about, you know, their objections to guns, it's always about the assault weapons, and it's never... Okay, it's never about the uh, the shotguns, or the revolvers, or the muskets, I guess. Never about those. But how far has so many people, have so many people drifted from understanding the original intent and the original purpose upon which we were founded. Which, by the way, that's why I have, I don't have any problem with Juneteenth as a holiday. I don't. I think it's okay. When it, we, we as a society in my entire lifetime, we never celebrated the end of slavery, which I think is worth celebrating. It's kind of the same principle, don't you think? Give me liberty or give me death, right? This was the point. These are the ideals enshrined in the founding documents that, yes, our founders had a difficult time living up to. I understand the rationale for why they did what they did, the times from which they came. But the founding principles, as codified in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, those founding principles have been extremely durable and aspirational. And it has led to the advancements that we have seen in freedom and liberty, uh, equal rights, and that sort of thing. Ray Nothstein actually writes a a little bit about this at the Carolina Journal um, today, actually. He says, slavery in the U.S. ended ended in practice at the end of the Civil War, We can find the ideals of equality in our Declaration of Independence, which says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, 
They are endowed by their creator with inalienable rights, right? Indeed, Christian influence and awakenings in America heavily reinforce the idea that we're all made in the image of God, creating a culture ripe for fuller freedoms and emancipation. Yet America frequently struggled to practice this simple truth found in our Declaration. The rise of the American Civil Rights Movement helped awaken the conscience to living up to our founding ideals. This is a common theme I hit on and have been hitting on for years now, which is what is it that unites us? In our country, it's built around ideas. It's built around principles and how we convey those ideas and principles to the next generation will determine whether or not we survive as a society. So when Chrissy Clark comes along, this is a state lawmaker running for an, a former state lawmaker, I guess, now running in a different district. And she has no comprehension, yet she wants to lead in the state government and doesn't comprehend the founding principles, the thing that unites us. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Ray Nothstein writing at the Carolina Journal says the rise of the American civil rights movement helped awaken the conscience to living up to our founding ideals. Civil rights leaders frequently borrowed from founding fathers' words and documents because they possessed great recognition and authority with the public, particularly given that they were trying to persuade whites. The Let Freedom Ring repetition in MLK's I Have a Dream speech, clearly references the Liberty Bell, right? Just like the civil rights movement drew from the founders, we can learn from one of America's most significant moral movements. The obvious lesson is equality under the law and human dignity. The idea of self-rule or self-government, it flows directly out from that. Our founding documents bestow upon us the principles and the dignity of self-government. Unfortunately, unlike any other time in our past, many Americans struggle to embrace self-government fully. Later on in his piece, he goes on to say that the most important aspect of the civil rights movement is is that it helped awaken a more profound moral culture in America. The federal government could no longer ignore discrimination, particularly during the Cold War era, when the nation's image and credibility were under increasing scrutiny. Ultimately, change to racial discrimination had to come from the heart of the human person. Right? That's the key. This gets back to what the founders talked about in that our society, our governing structure, our systems were set up for a religious people, right? For people who strove to be good. This was speaking to the heart. They, they wrestled with the idea of whether or not society was good enough to be able to engage in self-government. Ordered appeals for justice and liberty backed by the moral authority of the founding and the scriptures clash today with the rising violence and chaos that we see on the news. And it's too often focused on ideological goals and not first principles. If we are going to improve upon our experiment in self-government, these are the type of ideals we have to embrace. Virtue, order, respect for the rule of law, 
and a peaceful transition of power. Like the civil rights movement, we must be anchored to higher truths. We are an idea. While America has faltered at many points because of racism and internal violence, he says, we are still the greatest country on earth that has expanded liberty more than any other nation in history. Helping to recover these truths, including the principles of Juneteenth, can make us a nation where self-rule not only continues, but thrives. See, that's why, and I've heard, you know, the criticisms or opposition a couple weeks ago. We heard Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson talk about uh, how he doesn't celebrate Juneteenth. He doesn't recognize it as a holiday. He prefers instead uh, the day that the 14th Amendment was ratified. Okay. But we as a society haven't been celebrating that either. So Juneteenth seems like it's already kind of gotten out of the starting blocks. It's already kind of down the road, and now it's recognized as a federal holiday. So it seems like that's the layup to take, right, versus starting a whole new effort around another day of recognition. And this one comes from sort of an organic place, you know, it kind of started on its own. It has a story tied to it, and stories are powerful. So you can have the larger discussion about emancipation and ending of slavery and the horrors of slavery. You can you can have all of those conversations kind of off of the the one story that prompted Juneteenth. So I'm okay with it. Anything that gets us, it's the same reason why people were like, oh, we're going we're gonna to put Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill just to stick it to them conservatives. And I'm like, that's a fantastic idea. She's pro-Second Amendment and a Republican. You go ahead and put her image on the 20. Please do that. Take Jackson off of it. That miserable. Anyway, I was all for it. It's so funny to me. They think a lot of the times these lefties think what they think is an owning of the right is actually no. These terms are quite acceptable to me. Breaking news. This just in. To the WBT. No, actually, the email. No, actually, it was on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter. Governor Roy Cooper's got COVID. <laughs> Sorry. He says it's very mild. He's fine. It's very mild. He put out a video. Well, here, maybe I can play it. Let's see here. Uh, play for me, Cooper. Play. Hi, everybody. Uh, Governor Roy Cooper here. Yeah. It's June 20th, and I tested positive for COVID-19 today. Oh. I'm feeling fine. Good. And thanks to vaccinations and boosters, my symptoms are very mild. And I've begun taking Paxlovid, which is a proven treatment. I'm eager to get to work this week, and I'm already doing it from home through phone calls and through video conferencing. I'll be following the CDC on isolation. You know, each COVID variant has become more contagious than the last. So a lot of people are still getting But also what, Governor? Also what? More contagious, but... Less lethal. Why would you not say that? But studies show that vaccinated and boosted people have milder symptoms when they become infected. So if you hadn't gotten vaccinated and boosted, I encourage you to do so. And make sure you find out if treatment is right for you if you test positive. Thanks so much, everybody. Okay. All righty. There you go. 
Um, by the way, he tested positive a day or two after the big Democrat Party shindig this weekend. Super spreader. <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> I'm look. Do I blame him for getting COVID? Of course not. I didn't blame anybody who got COVID except China. I've been blaming China consistently since the beginning. So uh, if you want to blame somebody, blame China. I refuse to look at people catching COVID as some sort of a moral failure. They, it's a contagious virus that the Chinese unleashed upon the world. But, but you know, th- that being separate... He, he's not to blame for catching a cold, for catching a flu, for catching anything, right? I wish him all the best. I hope he has a full recovery. But mm, why do you miss the opportunity to allay concerns and spread truth? Well, I'm sure all of the politifactors will be out here you know, letting us know that uh, you know, just because Governor Cooper got it and he's double-vaxxed and double boosted and whatever. Uh, That doesn't mean that the vaccines don't work. That's not what that means at all. And he did nothing wrong at the super spreader event. All righty. Let me get back to the actual topic that I prepped for. Um, Ballot trafficking or ballot harvesting. This has to do with what, Uh, I mentioned earlier, Ray Nothstein mentioned in his piece at Carolina Journal, the types of ideals we have to embrace, virtue, order, respect for the rule of law, and a peaceful transition of power. These are the things that we should be embracing. And this leads me to, I had an email the other day, and people have asked me about it, uh, and I have been, I have been, I had discussed it, by the way, the 2,000 mules. There's a North Carolina connection. Dr. Andy Jackson, our friend over at the John Locke Foundation, uh, he wrote about this, and he's one of the people that I trust on election-related issues because he's this is what he focuses on, and he's been doing so for a very long time. He knows the laws. He knows the loopholes. He knows the first principles. So he watched the movie. He... Uh, he kind of goes through all of the uh, the things they, they get right, the things that are left unproven. And he is where I am, and I've got a whole bunch of uh, pieces on this, including the Associated Press, the response to the Associated Press's story, the PolitiFact story on it. So ballot trafficking or ballot harvesting is the practice in which a candidate or a party's supporters round up as many voted absentee ballots as they can for hand delivery. And this practice became problematic for three main reasons. Number one, the people that are collecting the ballots can throw them away. Right? If they have a suspicion that you voted for the wrong candidate, they can toss them and you wouldn't know. Also, they could potentially open the ballots and change the votes on them. Or third, they could collect partially completed ballots and then complete the ballots themselves. Also, ballot traffickers or harvesters 
may intimidate or otherwise unduly influence voters while they are marking their ballots. And this is, by the way, why um, you don't get the uh, the paper receipt or a record of how you voted from the voting machines, because if you do that, then it allows for vote selling and buying and pressuring, right? North Carolina became ground zero for ballot trafficking back in 2018, four years ago when the State Board of Elections refused to certify the 9th Congressional District election. And during the hearing on alleged ballot trafficking in that race, evidence emerged that people associated with McRae Dallas, who has since died, uh, he was a political operative working for Republican candidate Mark Harris. There was also an organization called the Bladen County Improvement Association that was paid by the Democratic Party. Evidence emerged that these groups, these people, illegally took possession of voters' absentee ballots. Some associates of McRae Dallas testified that they saw people marking ballots for voters, which is illegal. For that reason, the movie by Dinesh D'Souza, 2000 Mules, includes a discussion of what happened in the 9th District. And it does that in order to set the stage for what they then go on to disclose in the rest of the movie. So there's this North Carolina connection. So this gets us to the make uh, or the uh, what the makers of the 2000 Mules found and how they found it, as per Dr. Andy Jackson. Newstalk 1110-993-WBT. we got some sleuthing going on here. Thank you to Ikifu on the Twitter machine who has discovered that apparently Christy Clark's tweet about the koozies, the oh-so-offensive koozies, kind of plagiarism. Yeah, somebody else named Scarlet Text Bold. Oh, sorry, no, that's her. Sorry. She's telling people in her name to text bold to something. I'm not going to give out that number. I don't know what I don't know what you would be texting that number for. So I'm not going to I'm not going to pass it along. But she posted a couple hours prior, "Hey Harris Teeter and Kroger, why are you allowing this type of item to be sold at your grocery store in Huntersville?" Clearly in light of the recent mass shootings, you can understand how this is not a good idea. And then she's got four pictures let me see here. She's got four pictures. Well, it's just oh, the, ooh, they're on sale, two ninety nine. Cantastic Freedom. That's the name of the koozies. <laughs> Cantastic. Um, and there's the one with the bald eagle with the shotgun in its talons. Give me liberty or give me death. And here's another bald eagle, but he's got he's got red white uh, red and white feathers, and then blue feathers up top. Anyway. Um, and it says, love it or leave it, America, love it or leave it. No gun, actually, even. And so she's just objecting to a koozie celebrating America. Love it or leave it. That, okay. And then I can't see what this other one says, uh, but it says something like, when justice becomes law, or when injustice becomes law, and I don't, it's probably something like, you know, all criminals will have guns or whatever. Um, and so Christy Clark, I guess she I guess she ran on down to that Harris Teeter and snapped her own photos 
and is now uh, chasing clout. That's what she's she's trying to get interactions to boost her uh, her profile. Um, yeah. So, hey, do you want to boost your pro, uh, profile? If you are a veteran or active duty, you want to be part of the WBT Sky Show flag ceremony. You'll be on the field at Truest Field. How awesome will that be for you? All right, and then you could tell people on your social media, look for me, I'm going to be on the field, I'm taking the field. You could even do a whole thing, like I'm going to be on the field, I'm taking the field, people think you're playing ball. And I'm, These are just ideas. I'm just spitballing here. Okay, every single year, WBT Sky Show, we honor veterans and active military with a patriotic flag ceremony. It follows the baseball game and then before the fireworks display. So if you want to participate and you're, you know, veteran or current uh, serving, we'd love to have you volunteer, come on down and be a part of it. Uh, You would get four tickets to the game, and you'd be part of, obviously, the flag ceremony uh, on the field. It's on July 4th, as uh, the WBT Sky Show is known to be. So go to WBT.com and uh, offer up yourself for a chance to uh, join in the festivities. So... Ballot tracking, or sorry, trafficking, or harvesting, right? That's at the heart of what happened in the McRae-Dallas, the uh, uh, Mark Harris campaign with McRae-Dallas. And the movie, 2000 Mules, references that operation. The film's centerpiece, says Andy Jackson at the John Locke Foundation, is a commercially available set of data that True the Vote uses to track the movement of cell phones across several cities in five targeted states. The tech is similar to that which was used to track people at the January 6th protest and the riot at the U.S. Capitol building. The research, And by the way, that is a fair criticism when people attack the 2000 Mules' use of this technology. Um, why then... Do you rely on that technology to go and apprehend everybody that was at the Capitol riot? If you're going to if you're going to dismiss the tech, which I do not, if you're going to dismiss the tech, then you have to dismiss it when law enforcement uses it too, right? Particularly if you're of the left that has virtually my entire life been wary of law enforcement practices and have sought to stymie law enforcement's ability to track people, right? The researchers at uh, this organization that uh, that got the data, it's called True the Vote, and uh, they've been, uh, this is a nonprofit, they've been doing election integrity work for years. The researchers at True the Vote traced zones around drop boxes, okay, where they set up these drop boxes where you could, you know, roll up, throw in the ballot, and roll away. So they set up, Zones, they traced zones around these drop boxes where people can place completed ballots in the targeted cities and then noted when phones were within those zones multiple times. Okay, so it's using your cell phone data and they have this little area around the box. And so when you go into that area, it would ping you, right? Essentially, it would say, oh, you were there. There's your phone. And it's not just one time. You got to go there a bunch of times. They screened out essentially 
uh, people that were just passing through once or twice. They also screened out people who were going to or through these zones prior to early voting and the election season. Because if you were already going through this zone as part of your normal day, they wanted to cut you out. They didn't want you to be part of their data set. So seems like they, they took a pretty cautious approach to getting good data. We'll get into more of this in the next hour. Thank <laughs> you.